Hi, I'm Pastor DeAndre J. Cross Sr., the pastor teacher of the St. John Baptist Church of Bell Place, Louisiana. Thank you for joining me today on the Renewing Your Mind podcast. Let's go into the sanctuary of the St. John Baptist Church and hear today's message. I want to label today's message Calculated Confidence in the Midst of Crisis. Calculated Confidence in the Midst of Crisis. Psalm 27 is regarded by many as one of the most beloved psalms next to Psalm 23. We are not sure of the exact historical context surrounding this psalm. However, we do know that it is a psalm of David. C.H. Spurgeon suggests it may have been when David was on the run from King Saul, pursued by enemies shut out of the house of the Lord, separated from his parents and slandered by false witness. No matter what the situation, it was clearly a time of incredible crisis and stress. It's interesting to note that even with trouble all around him, David had great confidence in the Lord. Not only did he have great confidence in the Lord, but he was able to praise the Lord even in the midst of such difficulty. I want to know this morning, how do you handle life's crisis? Where do you place your confidence when the circumstances of your life are stressful? Psalm 27 is tailored to teach you and I that we can handle any and every crisis that comes our way when we have calculated confidence in the Lord. The question becomes, what does it mean to have calculated confidence in the midst of crisis? If you're going to have calculated confidence in the midst of crisis, it just simply means that we have to have confidence in the Lord's protection. Have confidence in the Lord's protection. Verses 1 through 3 tell us why we can have confidence in the Lord's protection. We can have confidence in the Lord's protection because the Lord will deliver. The occasion of this psalm is both threatening and ominous. David's enemies are resolved to take him out. In fact, he describes them in verse 12 as breathing out violence against him. The opposition against him escalates in verse 3 in the form of an army encamping against him with the potential for war to break out at any moment. And yet, in spite of all of this, these opening verses exude great confidence in the Lord. Listen, if you will, at how David identifies God in verse 1. Verse 1 says, the Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? David here makes a threefold declaration about his confidence 
in the Lord. He says, the Lord is my light. The Lord is my salvation. And the Lord is the strength of my life. These three images reflect David's experience with God. First, he says, the Lord is my light. Light is that which dispels all darkness. Darkness is a metaphor for that which is evil. It refers to trouble. Light stands for life and truth. And the reality of it all today, brothers and sisters, is that we are facing some dark times as a nation. This coronavirus has threatened our lives and, and has even taken the lives of many. We now have to practice social distancing. We are confined in many cases to our homes. We are living in some dark times. But although we may be facing some dark situations, the good news is when your confidence is in the Lord, you are not in the dark by yourself because the text says, the Lord is my light. This is the only place in the Old Testament where this title is used for the Lord. He says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. The word salvation here means to rescue from trouble. It means to rescue from danger. It's a word that speaks of God's ability to save and God's ability to deliver you from whatever situation threatens your life. This is good news for somebody today who finds yourself in the middle of something. Someone today, you're in the middle of a storm, in the middle of a crisis, in the middle of a predicament, in the middle of a pit, in the middle of a burning fiery furnace, in the middle of a lion's den, in the middle of a pandemic. But the good news is God is able to deliver you from whatever you are in and whatever threatens your life. You ought to tell somebody in your living room, you ought to tell somebody on your sofa, down your street, in your house, that God is able to deliver. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Lord is the strength of my life. That word strength can be translated as stronghold. It's used to describe high walls or a rocky fortress. In other words, the Lord is not just strength. He is a stronghold. In other words, he's a refuge. He's a safe place. He's a safety zone. He's a shelter from danger. And here's the one I like. He's a hiding place. Lord Craven was a Christian nobleman who lived in London during a plague that ravaged the city in the 15th century. Craven determined to flee the city for his country estate to escape the spreading of the plague. But as he prepared to leave, he overheard a servant innocently say to another, 
I suppose by my Lord's quitting London to avoid the plague that his God lives in the country and not in the town. Convicted by this statement, Craven canceled his journey declaring, my God is everywhere. My God lives everywhere and he can preserve me whether I'm in the town or whether I'm in the country. He said, I will stay right where I am. And he remained in London to help the plague victims. But the news of it all is he never caught the disease himself. And the reason he never caught the disease himself is because the Lord is a refuge. The Lord is a stronghold. The Lord is a safe place for those who put their confidence in him. The Lord is my light. The Lord is my salvation. The Lord is the strength or the stronghold of my life. Given David's experience with God, he immediately asked rhetorical questions. He asked with a defiant tone seeming to taunt his enemies. He, he, says, he says, the Lord is my light and my salvation, here it is, who shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? For many of us, we are inundated with fear. In a recent survey of 2,400 churchgoers, it was discovered that 80% indicated that they live with moderate to significant levels of fear. Some of our fears are raised by events happening in the world. School-age parents fear school shootings. This current administration in Washington is raising fears. 24-hour news, Twitter feeds, and steady stream of news alerts to our phones are, are causing us to fear. Those who are 35 and under have a fear of failure and a fear of disappointing others. Many are dealing with the fear of rejection, the fear of financial trouble, the fear of health issues, and the fear of losing loved ones. We, we are surrounded by reasons to fear. But Psalm 27 suggests that all of those threats are nothing in light of who God is. When God is your light, when God is your salvation, and when God is the strength of your life, who shall I fear? Of whom shall I be afraid? Have I, have I got, a, got a witness here? Here is what I learned for the child of God. The people of God ought to always live in faith instead of fear. But can I tell you that fear and faith cannot coexist? No, fear and faith are enemies of each other. When fear shows up, faith has to leave. And when faith shows up, fear has to leave. But the good news 
of the text is when the Lord is your light and your salvation, when the Lord is the strength of your life, the text teaches us that we have nothing to fear. Have I got a witness here? But I need, I need us to get something. Because when you operate in faith, it does not mean that you ignore the facts. Faith does not diminish the reality that our troubles exist. Now, what faith does, what confidence in God does, is it says, in spite of all of this, I trust God to take care of me because I have calculated confidence in the Lord that goes beyond the reality of my crisis. That's why I like what the hymn writer said on one occasion when the hymn writer said, what have I to dread? What have I to fear? Leaning on the everlasting arms, I have blessed peace with my Lord so near, leaning on the everlasting arms. We can have confidence in the Lord's protection because the Lord will deliver. But we can also have confidence in the Lord's protection because the Lord will defend. Look at what verse 2 says. Verse 2 says, When the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and they fell. David is reflecting on the time where he had to endure his enemies and a time where he had to endure his foes. He, he describes his enemies and his foes as wicked evil doers. He, he says like wild animals with no compassion or no mercy, they wanted to eat up my flesh, but, but, but watch the turn because as they attacked, God stepped in. He, he says, he says, they tried to devour and oppress me, but here's what happened to them. They stumbled and they fell. They, they tried to do me harm, but they stumbled and they fell. They, they, they sought, Lord have mercy, they, they sought to do evil against me, but they stumbled and they fell. The, I like this word they because the word they is emphatic in the Hebrew when they attack me, they will stumble and they will fall. In, in, in other words, the stone that they rolled against David will roll back on them. The pit that they dig for David, Lord have mercy, they will fall into themselves. And that's why the older saints used to say, if you dig one ditch, you better dig two. Because the one you dig for me might just be for you. Text says they stumbled and they fell. I need you to get this picture because to stumble means that your progress is slowed down. But when one falls, it means that your progress is stopped. They, they tried to do me evil, but in the process, they were 
tripped up and they fell. God, God, God didn't just slow them down, but he stopped them. They, they tried it, but they stumbled and they fell. Verse, verse 3 says, though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though, though war shall rise against me, in this will I be confident. That, that word encamp means to, to siege. It means to surround on every side. It, it means to pitch a tent. It's the picture of lingering troubles that will not go away. And can I get a witness from anybody who, who knows what I'm talking about? You've ever experienced some trouble? It seems that it just will not go away. That's, that's what David is talking about. But even in the midst of wicked evildoers and in the midst of lingering troubles, David resolves that my heart shall not fear. He, he resolves that in this will I be confident in in what? Verse 2. In the fact that they stumbled and they fell. See, beloved, we have no need to fear because the Lord is on our side. Lord, have mercy. We, we have no need to fear because the Lord is our light. We have no need to fear because the Lord is our salvation. We have no need to fear because the Lord is the strength of my life. And if God be for us, Lord have mercy. I say, if God be for us, no man, no woman, no boy, no girl, no devil, no demon, no witch, no warlock under the earth or in the earth can stand against you. You got to have confidence in the Lord's protection because the Lord will deliver and the Lord will defend. But secondly, not only must we have confidence in the Lord's pr protection, but we must have confidence in the Lord's presence. In the midst of David's trouble, he gives you and I a glimpse of his soul's passion. He gives us a glimpse of his soul's purpose and his soul's desire. He says in verse number four, one thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple with his enemies breathing out violence against him. And he, even, though, even though an army was encamped, against him and even though they surrounded him and war is about to break out notice David did not take military action nor does David ask for God's protection from his enemies no 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 instead he acts for and seeks God's presence now, I know confession is good for the soul, but bad for the reputation. But if my enemies were breathing out violence against me, 
If, if it was my day of trouble, David's request would not be my request. Because when I encounter trouble, my request is normally to ask God to deliver me from my trouble, but not David. And, and, and here is what I learned. I learned that a proper perspective will lead to proper priorities, which will lead to a proper perspective about life and life's circumstances. David knew and David understood what should be his overarching passion and priorities of his life. His sole desire, his sole passion, his, his sole purpose was to dwell in the house of the Lord. To behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. He said, David said, I know I got all kind of stuff going on around me, but I just want to dwell in the house of the Lord. I, I, I just want to be where I can sing praises unto God. I, I just want to be where I can hear the word of God. I, I just want to be where I can live in God's presence and, and know God's presence daily. And let me say this because a desire to be in God's presence is not separate from desiring to be in church. No, the, the two, the two goes together. Because when you truly love God's presence, you will also love gathering with God's people. After all, the Bible says God inhabits that, that is, God lives within the praises of his people. See, when, when you want to be in the presence of God, you, you want to be able to experience the presence of God along with the people of God. That's why the unknown Hebrew writer says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the matter of some, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. It's something about being in the house of the Lord. And I'm going to go ahead on and say it. Because some people as I look out over Facebook. Some people don't understand why the people of God are longing to get back to the house of God. They, they don't understand what is it about the house of God. They, they think we just want to get in the building. But can I tell you, it's not about being in the building. No, we want to get where the presence of God is. And I know the presence of God can be anywhere, but it's something about being in the house of God with the people of God, when the presence of God inhabits the place. David says, David says, I don't want to be away from the house of God. I don't want to be away from the presence of God. David just wants to be in the presence of God. And can I tell you, the only thing that can satisfy a longing soul is God and the house of God. Charles Haddon Spurgeon says, the real hunger of the psalmist was not just for the house of God, 
but for the God of the house. In other words, I don't, I don't want to just dwell in the house of the Lord, but I desire to behold the beauty of the Lord. To see the beauty of the Lord is to see his glory, to know his love and experience his joy, to, to behold with admiration and affection. So 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 often we we come to the house of the Lord and when we come we come looking at all the wrong stuff. I often hear people say, I didn't get nothing out of the service today. I, I didn't get nothing out of the worship experience today. Quiet and sing my song, my favorite soloist didn't sing my song, my favorite deacon didn't pray the prayer, Rev didn't tune up at the end of the sermon. I just didn't get nothing out of the service today. Can, can, I, can I tell you why you didn't get nothing out of the service? The reason you didn't get nothing out of the service because you was focused on the wrong stuff. See, when you come to church, you got to learn how to focus on God and God alone, how to, how to gaze upon his glory, how to, how to behold his beauty. Coming to church, coming to worship, it ain't about the choir, it ain't about the deacon, it ain't about the preacher, it's not about the musician. Now, when we come to worship, we're coming to gaze upon the beauty of God. We are coming to see the glory of God and I just believe that if all of us have a singleness of mind if we all just make the glory of God our priority I believe we would feel like this psalmist who just can't wait to get in the house of the Lord. I want to be in the house of the Lord. I want to behold the beauty of the Lord. And I want to inquire in this temple. David wants to seek his the will of God and, and the guidance of God. David wants to know more about who God really is. David just said, I I just wanna I just wanna seek God. And there it is. There it is, child of God. When you have confidence in his presence. God will in turn do several things as seen in verse number five. When you have confidence in the presence of the Lord, verse number five says, For in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion, in the secret place of his tabernacle. He, he shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock. I like it. Because what he said is he will keep us safe. He, 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 he'll hide us in the shelter of his tabernacle. And he does, he'll, he'll set us high on the rock. In, in other words, this, this is speaking of stability. He, he'll give us sure footing in the midst of the crisis that's going on around us. In, in other words, what, what God will do when we place our confidence in him, when we place our trust in him, what God will do is God will lift us above our problems because God wants us to understand that it's not about the problem, it's about him. 
thank you for listening to the Renewing Your Mind podcast. We pray that today's message was an encouragement unto you. Until next time, be encouraged.